Hey church, welcome home. If this is your first time or even your hundredth and first time, we just want to say welcome home. Make this place, even if it's just for the next hour or so, make this place your home. And, uh, you know, today at the end of my message, we're actually going to take communion. It's a celebration of who Jesus is, who he is to us and our relationship to him. And so love you to join. If you're a follower of Christ, we'd love you to join in with us. Or if you're not, actually, before we take communion, I'm actually going to give you an opportunity to step out on that journey with us so that you can actually be part of communion as well. So if you're ready to get into the word of God, this is the last in our series called Faith, the Good, the Bad and the Ugly. And uh, so let's pray together before we get into the word. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that even though I am speaking in my bedroom here, God, and people are going to be hearing this later on in the week, God, you are still present in the words that I speak and in the word that we proclaim. God, I pray for those people that don't know you. I pray that something in their heart will be open and receptive to what you want to say to them. I pray for those of us that have been on the journey a bit longer. God, I pray that our hearts will be strangely warmed by what is being said. I pray that we will all be challenged by what is being said today. In the name of Jesus, amen. As I say, I hope you've found this new series useful, not just useful in that, oh yeah, that was good and walk away, but actually useful challenge and challenging it. And also something that you can put into place in your life. And one of the things that we wanted to do is make those heroes of faith accessible to all of us. Because sometimes I think we can read the Bible and it's look, it, those people seem so far away, so out of our reality. But in the way that we've unpacked them, I hope that you've begun to see, actually, they, I can relate to them a lot more. And maybe, just maybe, even though my name's not in the Bible, that I could be one of those heroes of faith. And uh, so this time, this today is actually the last day I'll be filming. I know I said this a few weeks ago, but today is going to be the last day that I'm filming from my bedroom. And uh, tomorrow, Imani and I step onto a plane and we head towards Amsterdam first, then Toronto, and then on to, on to Saskatoon. And by the time you guys are hearing this on Sunday, we will actually be in Saskatoon. We'll be quarantining but uh, or in isolation, but we will actually be there with you guys. Our pre-flight uh, COVID test was negative. I've, you know, I've done all the check-in already and uh, the quarantine hotel is all booked and very soon, less than 24 hours, we will be on our way. Last Sunday, the Sunday just gone for us, we went to our old church. And it was so good to be there with people that we had known, actually one or two new people as well that had come along during COVID, but be with people that we've known and loved for many, many years. But things hadn't turned out quite like we expected. And that phrase has been going around in my head, and you, you probably even heard me say it in a, in a couple of other preachers that I've mentioned. Things hadn't turned out quite like we expected. You know, for us, we, we hoped that the auditorium was going to be the place where I preached until I retired. We hoped that this house that you have seen, you've only seen this sort of small part of it or a few other bits and pieces of it outside. I remember preaching from, uh, from our garden. But this, this house that where we are, we hoped 
that that was going to be our sanctuary, a place of refuge for us and for the people that we brought in, but also a legacy for our kids. We hoped the people there at church and some of the other ones that weren't able to gather were going to be the people that we grew old with. And when everything changed and, you know, uh, we knew that we were coming to Canada, we hoped that we were going to be in Canada by January. That was my plan. You know, 4th of January, I was going to be there. It was going to be fantastic. We hoped even when that didn't happen, we hoped that our house would have been sold by now. But as I said, things haven't turned out quite like we expected or even as we hoped. Can I ask you what you are hoping for? You know, it's one of the things we say to kids at Christmas, isn't it? What are you hoping for Christmas? What are you hoping to get? Me, personally, I still have hope that England are going to win the Euros in the next few weeks. We, we, we have hope. Hope springs eternal. That's an England fan true, through and through. I hope the Oilers someday are going to win the Stanley Cup. Not this year, maybe next year. I hope the weather stays good for the next few weeks. I hope our house sells quickly. Maybe, maybe you're living in hope. What are your hopes? To have a new job or maybe even just to keep the job that you've had. Maybe you've hoped to be in a relationship. Maybe, maybe you hope to be spending time with someone you are now grieving over. Maybe you'd hope to hold a baby in your arms by this time. Maybe you'd hope to be in your new house or but things haven't quite turned out like you had hoped. So how do we reconcile our current situation, our current reality with this verse? The first verse that we have looked at, the first verse of Hebrews 11, verse 1, and it says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We've heard about the heroes of faith, haven't we? The Moses and Rahab and Abraham and Sarah and all of these people had had such hope for their lives, but they were all flawed, and that makes them relatable. And we've tried. I, I, we've endeavoured to bring the good, the bad, and the ugly. Not just one person is good, one person's bad, one person is ugly, but in reality, all of the people had the good, the bad, and the ugly of their lives. What about the other ones? There are, there are other ones that are in that chapter that we haven't talked about, yet they're there. See, let, let me read what they're called in Hebrews 12. This is the collective mass of, of elite Hebrews 11, all the ones added together. It says this, therefore, and that means that we need to look back and see what, what it's talking about. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Do you see, do you see what they're called there? All of those people, those flawed, those relatable people, they are called a great cloud of witnesses. Imagine that. Yes, we can, we can think, yeah, Abraham, Jacob, all of these people. Yeah, they're a great cloud of witnesses. And a witness is someone who adds, and I know we've got lawyers and, uh, and such in, in our church, and bear with me, this is probably not the complete definition, but a witness is someone who adds their testimony to, to give credibility to an event or another person. See, 
there's lots of named people, but then there's another crowd of people that we need to take notice of. There's another crowd of people whose names aren't even mentioned, but they are there. We don't know who they are. They are the unnamed people, but they're still the great cloud of witnesses. Because even though their names are not there, they still add credibility to the faith story of Jesus and us together. Let me read, let me read about them. And it, it's not, it's not great reading, to be honest. It's not because you can imagine some of these people getting to the end of their life or even at certain points along their life and go, this isn't how I expected it to be. Starts off good. Hebrews 11.35, women received back their dead, raised to life again. Fantastic. We love that. Come on, bring back the dead. Whoa, yes. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they may gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us they would be made perfect. It's not, it's not a great passage of scripture to be, you know, to finish off this, this chapter of the heroes of faith. Hold on a second. What about all those promises that God made to me? What about, you know, all of that stuff that God promised me? Where's that? This hasn't turned out like I hoped for. Do you remember the days when a celebrity was someone that actually did something worth celebrating, not because they gained so many so many followers on Instagram or they just were famous for being famous. A, a celebrity, by definition, is someone who does something that is worth celebrating. Well, these people, the Bible says that they, that they don't we don't even know their names, but they are the real celebrities of this chapter. They are the ones that didn't receive it, yet they persevered. They kept going, even though their current reality did not, didn't say to them, God's awesome and everything's going to be fine. No, their current reality said things at this moment in time aren't going to be great, but they kept going. You see, they hoped beyond hope. They believed God's promise. They didn't allow their current circumstances to dictate their trust in God. They didn't allow fear to determine their decisions or their lives. And I would say that too many of us have allowed the system and culture of fear that we live in right at this moment to pervade our lives and our decision making. I'm pretty sure that all the heroes of faith, the named and the unnamed, at some stage would have said, why God, why me, why now, why this? But they endured. They persevered. They kept going. They kept their trust in God, despite what their current reality seemed to show. And I've got to ask myself the question, can I? Just because my inconvenience right at this moment hasn't turned out the way that I expected, can I still keep my trust in God? Can I still persevere? Can I still keep going? Can you? One of the things that 
I've seen over the years is that sometimes people think that faith is denying reality. I'm not sick. I'm, I'm well. I'm not unemployed. I have a job. You see, that's not faith. I don't even know what that is. That's just denying reality. Faith doesn't deny reality. Faith says, yes, I'm sick. Yes, I'm unemployed. Yes, my relationship has fallen to pieces, but God is bigger. God can heal me. God can bring his favor. God can bring someone new into my life and bring forgiveness and trust again. I'm not depressed. No, no, I am depressed, but my God can bring wholeness, health, and and my, my mind fully functional to who I am. That's what I trust God for. You know, Sometimes denying reality, it can be like standing in a dark room and declaring the room is not dark. The room is not dark. The room is not dark. I'm trying to get to the other side and bumping and falling over and standing on that piece of Lego and just, you know, obviously you are very holy people and wouldn't say any cuss words. But there you go. That's not reality. That's stupidity. See, faith is saying, yeah, the room is dark but I'm trusting God to get me to the other side. I'm going to, I know that I can get to the other side. He's called me to the other side. Even if I have to feel my way, my faith is going to take me to the other side. 2 Corinthians 5, a verse that many people know, it says, walk by faith, not by sight. The problem is, is that when we read the news and when we watch TV and when we just take on all of this social media stuff, we begin to walk by the sight and the sight brings fear. Never before, in, I guess in modern Western world, have we been more dominated by fear. You know, we've, we seem to have come out of the fear of terrorism into the fear of, uh, of the pandemic. And I'm very sure that we'll, we'll walk back into another fear because fear is what keeps people controlled. Fear is what, what, what the world system would use to keep us down. But walking by faith, is not saying that everything is all right in the moment. Walking by faith is saying, I'm trusting God in the moment, even though things may not be as I hoped for. It's simply trusting God. And I want you to notice, I said, it's simple. I didn't say it was easy. Trusting God can be one of the hardest things we can do, but it is simply, faith is simply trusting God. Walking by what we see in our current reality brings a spirit or a way of fear or we can choose to live the Jesus way the way of faith so what is your way of life is it dominated by fear now when I say you or you may say I don't I don't live in fear I'm, I'm I don't live afraid I don't have tourophobia which is the fear of cheese I don't I have omphiliophobia which is the this is real the fear of the navel not the the, uh, you know, the, the ships on the sea, but the belly button. Or this is a great one. So you'll have to bear with me as I try and say this. Hippopotamonstrosis equipadillophobia. That's the fear of long words. I don't live in those fears. But it's not about a fear of the moment. I saw the cheese and I was afraid. I looked down, saw my navel and I was petrified. No, no, it's not a fear of that moment or, or the event. It's actually, it's actually fear as a way of life, fear of failure, fear of disappointing people, fear of being disappointed by people. 
fear of being hurt by people or being insignificant, not living up to someone's expectations, being let down, letting people down. We, we can all live in the fear of that stuff. And fear can actually disguise itself as many things. See, many of the things that fear disguises itself as, is, they're not bad things. Hard work is a good thing, but hard work, it can actually disguise the fear of failure. We have a, a, you know, a culture or a way of life of honouring each other, but that could be the fear of saying the wrong thing. Being agreeable, the fear of rejection. Achievement, a fear of insignificance. A commitment to winning in sport could actually be disguised as a fear of losing. And so we've got to ask ourselves, what's the problem with fear? You see, fear takes away and is almost the, the antithesis of the very thing that pleases God. Hebrews 11 tells us that fear, sorry, faith is what pleases God. And fear can sometimes step in and counteract our faith. Counteract the very thing that God says, that's my kid. I'm so pleased with them. And fear can stop us. It can, you know, the fight or flight thing that we talked about, it, it, that we talk about sometimes now is it's fight, flight or freeze. And it can, we can be frozen in our fear. We can run away or we can be ready for a fight at any time. But we're called to walk by faith. In Matthew Matthew 14, verses 22 to 32, I want to encourage you to go away and read this. And it's, it's actually just after uh, Jesus feeds the 5,000. And he feeds, you know, imagine that. Imagine being in that moment where, where Jesus is, he gets the disciples to sit people down and he, he gets this, steals this kid's lunchbox. I sent Judah off to school today with his, uh, he had a treat today. He had a chocolate muffin, which was left over from yesterday. He had some pita bread and a, a, some yogurt. And, and Jesus takes what's there from this young kid. And he says, this is going to feed the 5,000, sit them down. And you can imagine the disciples going, this is going to be good or it's going to be a disaster. But he prays and he thanks God for what he's got. And he begins to to break it and it keeps breaking and and the disciples see it and that you can imagine their amazement as they keep coming back and Jesus is keeping breaking it and it's you know the illusion of the the, the magician pulling out the uh, the cloths that keep coming out and again and that's an illusion but you see Jesus was performing a miracle and so off the back of this miracle they get in the boat and they the, the disciples go out and 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 they see Jesus walking on the water. Again, I, it blows your mind what was going on here. And, and the, the, the account is that Peter says to Jesus, if it's you, Lord, just, just tell me to come. And, and Jesus calls him and he hops out of the boat and begins to walk on the water and, and walk towards Jesus. And then suddenly he becomes aware of his current reality. You see, he stepped out about and let's let's never forget. OK, we often, you know, think, oh, Peter is a bit of an idiot for, you know, sinking in the water and Jesus having to rescue him. He got out of the boat. I, I think I'd be with the other disciples in the boat. Let's be honest. That's probably where most of us would be. And actually, he 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 does what all of us would do. 
is he begins to look around at his current reality. He started out with the promise, but he gets out of the boat and he, he looks around and he sees the waves and the storm and, and, and he does what is human. He becomes afraid and he loses sight of, of who, he's, who he's going towards and fear overcomes his faith. Jesus picks him up and he gets back in the boat. And this is the tough thing we read here. I don't, know, I don't know if you've just read over this, but it says Jesus chastises Peter. He has it a go. He has a go at him. Peter got out of the boat to walk on water. And Jesus is having a go at him for his lack of faith. That blows my mind as well. I wish that I had Peter's faith to get out of the boat, but I don't think I don't think I would have. But Jesus says to Peter, where's your faith? And he, he chastises him for his lack of faith after he got out of the boat. But here's the problem. You see, he allowed, he allowed his fear to overcome his faith. What was Peter afraid of? Peter was afraid of the wind. I want you to notice that Jesus at that moment didn't stop the storm. He didn't stop the wind. You see, he reached out, he pulled Peter out of the water. And he walked him through the storm. He only calmed the wind when they got back to the safety of the boat. He, he calmed the storm when really Peter didn't need to have any more faith. Peter still needed to have the faith to walk back through the storm with Jesus. Jesus didn't change the circumstances till they were all safely back in the boat. He challenged Peter's fear. Peter, Peter stepped out in faith, but he allowed fear to change his faith. See, in, in my moments, I can, allow, I can allow my fear to control my actions and, and undermine my faith. Many of the, the issues and the hopes that we've had about being in Canada and the things, our circumstances, we can allow fear, I can allow fear to, to dictate my actions. Instead of walking through the storm, allowing Jesus to pull me back up when fear, when fear dictates and, and overcomes my faith. Jesus doesn't necessarily change our circumstances. Tomorrow I set off on a plane. The house isn't sold. That that causes fear to rise up within me. What if? What if? What if? Or I can allow Jesus to walk me through the storm back to the boat before he calms the storm. There's another there's another account of Jesus and he, he's, he's, I would say confronted, but this centurion, a powerful man comes to Jesus. He's a Roman centurion coming to a Jewish man and asking for help. Now that's not done. But this centurion comes to Jesus and he says, I want you to heal my servant. And Jesus is amazed at this guy's faith and the way that he understands faith. Jesus commends him. You know, Jesus is, is chastising Peter one moment for his lack of faith in getting out of the boat. But then he's, he's saying to this centurion who didn't get out of the boat. Let's be clear on that. He didn't get out of the boat. He just came to Jesus and he said, hey, I understand. You don't even need to come to my house. You just say the word because I understand authority. If you say, if I say go to a, a soldier, they'll go because I'm a man under authority and therefore I have authority. Jesus looks at him and he, he commends him for his faith. Not doesn't commend him for his, his, his leadership capacity or his understanding of the latest John Maxwell book. 
he says, wow, this guy understands faith. Why? Because he understands obedience and submission. And, I, you know, I haven't got time to go into that. Maybe that's a whole nother series that we need to look at about faith being tied to our submission and obedience. See, Jesus said, I've never seen anyone with such faith. What is our faith tied to? I want us to think about at the end of this series as I close. Will you live with faith or will you live with fear? Because your current circumstances does not need to determine your faith level. Those heroes, those unnamed heroes of faith did not allow fear of their current circumstances. And I can guarantee when you read some of those things, they would be afraid, but they didn't allow fear to dictate their level of faith. Will you live with faith or will you allow it to overcome your fear? All of us probably need to ask ourselves the question, where have we allowed fear to change our faith? Is fear our way of life? Have we, have we forgotten our faith? You know, in 2 Timothy 2, Paul's talking He's talking to a Paul is talking to a disillusioned Timothy. He sees Paul in, in prison and, and the current circumstances and there's, there's all sorts of stuff going along. And, and, and Paul is saying, I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. That's what Paul says to Timothy. You see, Paul wasn't, he wasn't calling to his own remembrance. He was reminding Timothy of his faith, his genuine faith. Timothy, hey, come on. This is your faith. You have a genuine faith. Let me remind you of it. Let, let me remind you of your heritage. Do we need to be reminded of our faith as followers of Christ, if that's you, in this moment, in the pandemic? Do we, do we need to be reminded when we look at our reality, our current circumstances, and we're thinking things haven't turned out as I hoped? Do we need to be reminded of our current genuine faith? Or maybe we should be like Paul, where we look around and maybe we see some of this stuff going on and we're reminding other people, hey, I remember the faith that you had. I remember when you used to step out. That's still there. Maybe, maybe it's only an ember, but stir it up within you. You see, your way of life does not have to be a way of fear. It can be a way of faith, the very thing that pleases God. When you see the rest of this year, as we come out of COVID, what do you see? More unemployment, more financial pressure, more hardship, more relationship issues, more, more, more. But even in those, maybe they will be or are your current circumstances, your current reality. We can still live by faith, not by sight. Doesn't have to. What, we, what we're in does not have to determine what is in us. Our faith is in and from God. When we look back on our life, even, even this last year, will we have regrets? And I, I know we all will. But will we have regrets because we've made so many decisions based on fear? Or can we, like these unnamed heroes of faith, with faith, trust God with the outcomes. Maybe, maybe it isn't in the moment. Maybe we're just looking ahead, saying, God, I trust you in all of this. So what would we do 
if our way of life was not dominated, not controlled by fear. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that the old has gone, the new has come. There's a new way, a new creation, a new way of life. And I love this in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. Many of us will have heard the, this chapter on love talked about and read, and particularly at weddings, but it says this, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Yeah. We know that one. We've read that. We've had it read to us. We've we've heard it over and over again. And we need to know that the greatest of these is love. But so often we miss out the faith and hope. We we move from, from the first two to the last one because that's the greatest. But sometimes we need to know the lesser as well. Faith that is strengthened, not because Jesus necessarily changes our circumstances, but because he walks through our cancer our debt, our sickness, our mental health problems, our divorce, our redundancy. See, we have hope for this life and for the next. We love, we love because we have been loved first. We have faith because faith has been placed in us. When we live by faith, we become part of this great crowd of witnesses for the next generation. Witnesses to the love of Jesus. When we live in faith, we, we live in faith that we're forgiven, that we are loved, that we are accepted. Even when life doesn't turn out like we expected, it does not need to diminish our faith. Faith or trust of God comes from knowing him. And I just want you to want to give you a heads up where we're going to go into a new series in a few weeks. And it simply is about knowing God more. God is. And we're going to unpack some of his characteristics and who he is and our relationship with him, because we need to know God. Yes, this is faith, the good, the bad and the ugly. But as we know God more, we can trust him more. And I want to ask you right now, as I close, do you know him? Do you know this Jesus, this God that loves you? Maybe you've known about him. Maybe you've listened to many of these messages, but you just don't know him. One of my cries, one of my prayers in our current circumstances as I walk the dock is, God, I want to know you more so that I trust you more. But maybe you're at the start of this journey. Maybe for you, you don't know him. You know about him, but you don't know him. And I would love to invite you into a journey, into a relationship with him. So why don't we bow our heads? I want to pray over all of us. And then I want to, I guess, extend that invitation in a moment. Let's pray. Father God, I, I pray for every single one of us within the sound of my voice, whether it's, you know, on a Sunday or throughout the week as people listened or down through uh, a period of time as we have this up. God, I pray that these words something within what I've said will resonate within people's lives. This life of faith that we have the opportunity to live, we don't need to be living in fear or away of fear. But God, we can live in faith that you love us, that you forgive us, that your grace extends every single day, that your mercies are new every morning, that you, you hold the world in your hands, that the cattle on a thousand hills are yours for our provision, that healing is within you. 
God, we trust you. And I pray that we will be reminded, that we will be stirred up in our faith, that we will stir each other up and remind each other of our genuine faith. God, I pray that we, that we will be named, that we will be able to stand as unnamed in the unnamed heroes of faith because we persevered, because we kept going, because we trusted you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Just as we're in this attitude of prayer, as I said before, I'd love to extend an invitation for those of you. Firstly, those of you that have never made a decision, you've never set out on this journey. Can I invite you to join us? You're not joining a religion. You're not even joining a church. Fully believe that you need to be part of a church community, but you're saying yes to Jesus. Yes to his love. Yes to his grace, his acceptance, his forgiveness. And you're stepping into a group of people and you're, we are walking out that journey of faith. As, as Pastor Paul talked about last week, that apprenticeship. And maybe right now you're ready to say yes to Jesus. And I'd love the privilege in a moment of leading you in a prayer. And maybe you're here and you're, you're watching and you've made a decision like this before, but you've stepped away. You've gone away from that, not just, not just lost a bit of faith, but you've actually taking a step, taking a step outside the family. I want to invite you back. You may not know what your reception is like, but Jesus tells this story, a parable of what the father's love is like. He, it's called the prodigal son. You may have heard about it. And this young lad goes away and he takes everything and he wastes it and he comes back and his dad's there waiting for it with his arms open and he runs towards him. You see, that's the reception you're going to get both from God and from us, the church. And I'd love you to maybe respond as well and say this prayer with us. But the last group of people, are those of us that have grown up in Christian homes and you're a young person, young adult maybe, and you've, you've, you've piggybacked off your parents' faith. It's been their faith under the umbrella of their faith, if you will. But right today, now God is speaking to you saying, hey, I want my relationship with you, you personally. You're ready to say yes to Jesus. Whatever group you're in, I'd love to, to lead you in a prayer right now. So if that's you, I'd love you to bow your heads and let's pray. Maybe if you want to, I'll, I'll slow down the prayer and you can say the prayer after me. Dear God, I come to you now in faith. Faith that you accept me. Faith that you love me. Faith that you forgive me. I'm coming home. I ask for, for your forgiveness. I ask to be part of this family. And from this moment forward, I am now a follower of Jesus. Amen. Hey, if you made that decision, there's a couple of things I'd love you to do. Firstly, before I ask you to do anything, I want you to know we are celebrating you. On the chat right now, there'll be people praying, thanking God, maybe even praying in their own homes and thanking God that you've made a decision. But we'd love to know. So why don't you hit that raise my hand button? It's on there and just simply says, I want to come home to Jesus, something like that. And, uh, and let people know. But off the back of that, we'd love to connect with you as well. We'd love to pray with you. We want to put a Bible in your hands. Even if you've already got a Bible, you can take this as, yeah, I made a decision for Jesus on this day. And so connect with us. And, you know, the other thing I would say is keep coming back. 
Next week is uh, we've got we've got Pastor Wayne preaching. I'm excited. It's been a while since I've heard him preach, and uh, and then the week after that, the 11th of July, we're actually going to be back in the room. Turn up, come along, get registered, be part of this community, but also go out and tell someone. You see, when we tell someone, it does something in us, and you never know what it does in them as well. So I want to encourage you to do that. We're going to come around communion in a moment, and uh, I've asked my wife if she'll, if she'll lead us in that moment. So just give you a, a moment to, uh, if you haven't got your stuff, all you need is, a, is some juice and some bread or a cracker, and, uh, and my wife is going to, going to lead us in that. So bless you. Uh, we'll see you soon. I, as I said, by the time you hear this message, I will be in Saskatoon. So looking forward to seeing you soon. Hopefully, like John said, you have some juice and a cracker or something um, similar that you can use in this moment as we share the communion together. But when I was preparing what to share with us um, in this moment, the word intimacy was really um, coming to me quite strongly, like the intimacy of what communion is. And it's a moment that we share as believers of Christ um, that is quite an intimate time and it's one that we share together um, and I looked as we do um, into scripture and looked at the time when Jesus had this moment with his disciples um, and that moment was prepared in advance. Jesus asked the disciples to find a specific place to prepare in a specific way for the Passover meal and the Passover meal as many of you will know, is celebrated by, by Jewish people um, in celebration of their freedom from slavery when, when God protected them from the angel of death that passed over. Um, and he gave them protection. He gave them freedom. And that was the moment that they celebrated together, the Passover meal. But that was the time that Jesus chose in order to bring them a gift, something special that we can enter into, that we can equally have today, 2,000 years later. And for us, these moments create that intimacy together as believers, but with Jesus, who is with us, enjoying this moment with us too. Like I said, you know, Jesus asked the disciples to prepare in a specific way. And when I thought about that, it reminded me of what we do maybe around celebration meals that we have as families, maybe Thanksgiving or Christmas. We celebrate in a certain way. Each family has its traditions. But I think the, the most important thing that we focus on is who is there at the table with us, who we're preparing this for. And we want certain people around us to, to celebrate that. And, you know, in this last season of COVID, many of us have not been able to celebrate with those loved ones that we've always ha held dear to us or maybe we've lost loved ones and that's been highlighted even more so in those moments when we would want to celebrate with those people and I've often read this passage so many times that I'll read in a moment found in Luke I've often read it so many times but not really thought so much about that sense of intimacy that Jesus created with his disciples knowing what he would go through on our behalf, on their behalf, knowing what he would go through, but wanting to give them something that could anchor them when they have that feeling of loss that we can sometimes have 
too. You know, when we lose somebody, we like to keep something of theirs, don't we? My dad, when I lost him two years ago, I have his wood carving tools. And whenever I sit down with my little boy and we do a bit of wood carving together, I feel those tools in my hand and it gives me a sense of intimacy with my dad because he held those tools in his hands too. And this is what this does for us. You know, when we, when we hold the juice or the wine, you know, to symbolize the blood that Jesus shed. And when we hold the cracker or the, the bread that symbolizes his body that was broken for us, that's the same, the same moment that we can have. It's something physical, a representation of that person that we so long to be with. And the great thing is that we get to actually be with him spiritually. He's with us. You know, Jesus gave his followers the ability to connect with him in that way throughout the millennia. It wasn't just for that moment in that room with those disciples, it was for us for always. And as we take these emblems now, then let's just reflect on that and let's just invite Jesus into this moment with us. And I'm going to read that passage in Luke first and then let's take these emblems together and let's just invite Jesus to minister to us as we do this as a community of believers. So it says in Luke 22 from verse 14 to 20 and I'm reading from the NIV translation. It says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and broke it and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. As we take it right now, let's pray and thank God that he gave us this as a gift, this memory that we have, not just of something that happened a long time ago, but something that affects us even today, the intimacy that we can have with Jesus. So I'm going to break it, and John's just behind the camera. I'm going to share it with him as my husband in this time too. Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. Thank you, Lord, that you did that so that we could have a reminder. Lord, this isn't the end. This is the, the pointer. This is the reminder of what you did. And so powerfully, Lord Jesus, you came and you shed your, your blood. You broke your body for us, for our freedom, for our healing, Lord, for our redemption, so that we could be um, made in right relationship with you. And we celebrate that right now. Amen. And Lord, as we drink from the cup, we thank you for the blood that you shared, Lord. You did that for us. Lord, even today, for us, if we were the only people here, you still would have done that, Lord. And we just thank you. Amen. I pass it to John. Mm -hmm. I'm now going to hand back to the guys over in Saskatoon. I know John said he's already there. I'm celebrating the fact that him and Imani are there, missing them like crazy, but I'll be there soon too. So let's thank God that this is a fantastic season together, but over to the guys in Saskatoon. Thank you.